it was just like a Kermit the Frog's grandfather was right there. So I honestly think yeah. that's what they were designing. They were like, if Kermit had a grandfather <laughs> with like really what big ears, you? you know, because you want to have the ears with the hair sticking out, because that's what grandpas do. You know, yeah. what would you do? That's it. Alan Dean Foster. And my name is Beth Revis. I'm the author of Rebel Rising, and welcome to Star Wars Times. of Star Wars Ties. We are doing the 12 Ties of Christmas, and today is day two. And with me today, I am your host, Jameson Stout, and I have an awesome special guest, Mr. Caleb Parr, I'm returning from the solo review we did back in the summer. So how you doing, Caleb? I'm good, Jameson. How you doing today? I'm doing really good. Good. I was expecting to be you know, snowed in with the snowmageddon that was supposed to hit North Carolina, and my yard is as green as it is on a spring day. It's kind of sad. I'm at my- Mine's white. I feel like a, between uh, Hoth and Indoor right now. So. Well, there you go. One of us yeah. gets snow, one of us doesn't. Yeah. Which depends on what <laughs> side of the mountain you're living on. Apparently, I'm on the wrong one. <clears throat> yes, sir. <laughs> but anyway, of course, like I said, we're doing the 12 Ties of Christmas. My timer has already started. Today's topic that I'm going to be discussing with Caleb is our favorite heroes and villains. So we're going to just kind of jump in here and shoot the breeze and see what happens. We hope you will enjoy the ride with us. So, Caleb, let's talk about first your favorite villain of all time. Who do you think that would? Uh, hands down, has to be Darth Maul. No, no question about it. And I, I do think that the series ended his life. Or, I mean, I guess his life is still still there. And I'm glad that they they brought him back with that whole backstory. But having Maul not being in the the Attack of the Clones is kind of just a letdown from going from Darth Maul to Dooku, but Darth Maul and Phantom Menace is just, uh, I mean, bring something new to the to the Sith Jedi realm with uh, double lightsabers. You have a whole different, you know, subgroup of alien race with with uh, 
with who he is and the horns and just the the paint, the body paint. But the fact that he doesn't say anything, he says maybe five lines in the whole movie, but really he's just a dark figure. He doesn't say anything to anybody besides Palpatine. And That's so, true. you know, and so he's uh he's just one of those people that's man of few words but definitely has more action than anything but yet he is the most devastating Sith lord there is and i would say even above Darth Vader i'm going to put that out there i think he is Ooh. yeah wow <clears throat> well i will say that you know it's a it's almost apples and oranges when you look at Darth Vader versus Darth Maul because when we first see Darth Vader on the screen it's not the acrobatics and the double-bladed lightsabers and the special effects that make him ominous and evil. It's the presence that he exudes. And I'm not saying that Darth Maul doesn't exude that same presence, but from the perspective of what you're coming from, or what I think you are, Darth Maul definitely comes across just amazing as, as a Sith from the moment he comes onto the screen. I mean, you know, he introduces himself, or he's introduced very early in the movie as, you know, Darth Sidious' apprentice, and he's going to come out and help straighten things out. And then when he starts chasing after them as this assassin, you get the sense that, okay, we're going to we're gonna get something really cool out of this character. And then you've got that fight between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn on Tatooine, and you see only one blade. And you're like, well, that was a really cool fight. There was some really exciting material. That was a nice teaser. Yeah. And then you get the double blade on Naboo, and it's like, Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Where did that come from? You know, every yeah. Star Wars fan across the world is just like, there's two! You know, it's almost like the Nemoidians early in the movie. No, there are two of them! <laughs> yeah, yeah, always two. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on the Darth Maul Vader side because, in my opinion, the definition of a Sith, Maul just lines up with it. Yeah. Because he doesn't have, and even though the dark side has, you know, you hear Yoda talk about emotion and it's you know you get into that and that brings you to the dark side anakin going to that and becoming vader he it plays so much on his emotions and, and you you know darth vader's not a true sith and we know this because of where he ends up at the end right if he was a true sith he wouldn't have gone back to the light side so right. um so i mean we can argue, argue that but what i'm saying is that darth maul just embodies that sith side of things he does but yeah the, the, the teaser on Tatooine and then then Naboo and you're able to really connect with Ian McGregor's Obi-Wan's character oh yeah because you're kind of seeing like it him. from his perspective yeah well you know first off with looking at Phantom Menace you could see Obi-Wan young and we're used to Obi-Wan being this ghost figure that is giving a you know ominous advice to Luke right and so now we get to see him young young side that's true I mean um, let's face but it but seeing him trapped Sorry, but in the original trilogy, you only see him for like forty-five minutes, maybe an hour, alive. Yeah, and then after that, that's the yeah, only screen time he has in the entire original trilogy where he's a living figure. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but she was also the highest actor in the true. whole series. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but seeing him behind the the red wall, laser wall, walking, watching Qui Gon and Maul battle it out, you just kind of feel for him because he's like he's the He's an up-and-coming Padawan. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they treated yeah. us as, of course, trial to be a knight afterwards, which is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, you handled the Sith. We're, we're good, you know. <laughs> yeah, you said half. I guess we get, are you sure you're ready for this? Yeah. You know, this is the first time we've seen Sith in years. You defeated one. 
okay, we'll, we'll let you try we'll it out, Obi Wan. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I guess. Even if, as uh, back to to Darth Maul, it's stepping out of the film universe and even into the expanded universe I'm going to dabble in the old canon first there's a book that came out right around episode 1's release to provide some more backstory for Darth Maul because he didn't get a lot of screen time and it's very disappointing in all honesty because he deserved so much more screen time than he got just because of how cool of a character he was yeah. but uh, the book is called Darth Maul Shadowhunter and it's the story of a Jedi apprentice who is being hunted by Darth Maul because she discovered his existence by accident. But she's also on the run. I can't remember why. It's been years since I've read this book. She's on the run from, I think, the Jedi Council, or there's something that she has done that's got her needing to be hunted by others other than Darth Maul. So she's trying to stay away from him and from them. And in the process, you also uncover his tracking methods, you know, how he is an assassin and how he is hunting her down. And you kind of see a little bit more of how his mind works. And it's so cunning and so clever and so calculating as he's, you know, ambitious to destroy the Jedi and obviously kill this Padawan. But at the same time, you know, he's not willing to let himself be exposed or anything like that. He's working in the shadows. And it's, it's, it was a fascinating read uh, and gave you a much deeper understanding of kind of the Darth Maul character from the old yeah. man. So that adds nah, to that character quite I'd, a bit. I'd love to read that because that that just I mean that plays into just so much of who his character is because you don't get a lot of that. No, you don't. And until until the Clone War cartoon came out, you know, I had no idea that that his character would even be salvaged. Right. You know? Literally salvaged. <laughs> yeah. Um, no kidding. <laughs> so and then to bring him into Han Solo into the solo film, you know, as the you know, as the overarching the mastermind behind it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, all right, okay, finally we're bringing things canon now. We, I'm understanding where things line up once again. Mm -hmm. So it'd be really cool to see yeah. him make another. And I mean, I read an interview with Ray Park, the guy that played him, not too long ago, maybe only a month or six weeks ago, and he said not only was he surprised to get the callback for the the cameo in Solo, he was very interested. I don't know how willing they're going to be to do it, but he was very interested that A, they were calling him back to reprise his own role, and B, he said, I'll, you know, if they want me back to do it again, I'll do it again in a heartbeat. I can't, I'm, I'm all for it. So, there's, that'd be nice. It'd be potential to have, you know, the original Darth Maul finish out the role. I mean, I I would love to see them make a Kenobi movie of Kenobi on Tatooine, and Maul and Kenobi meet up for a second time. Rematch. A second then, time. Okay, not a second time. Like okay, a first right. time? Movie. What are you talking about? Oh, hmm. Hang on. I might have spoiled something for you. Never mind. Yeah, have you seen Star Wars Rebels? No, not okay. yet. I'm still recording one. Yeah. No, I know he shows up there. He does. Um, he makes an appearance in Star yeah. Wars Rebels. So, I mean, if, if, you, if we're including those, yeah, okay. But I'm, I'm talking, I guess, the... Film... The films, the timeline that that's before the Luke's, Luke and Leia Skywalker saga. So, kind of like another Rogue One. Right. I don't see any I think reason the, why the they couldn't take Obi-Wan Kenobi off Tatooine for a special mission or something like that during his exile on Tatooine. You know, he got, a, he got another call about Darth Maul making a reappearance or something, and he decided to go see if he could eradicate that problem in the galaxy because he knew it was a, a problem, and then come back right. to Tatooine to keep an eye on Luke. There's nothing that says he was bound to the planet for the entire time 
Because, I mean, Luke was under the no, care of Peru and Owen, so it's not like he was helpless. Yeah, no, um, he's definitely not bound by any means to, to Tatooine. I just, the way that I interpret the end of Solo and where Han and, you know, Han's going to Jabba's palace, but yet, you know, there's still this, this whole gangster shift where, you know, the power struggle and everything. And then so at some point in time in my head, I see, you know, the huts meeting up with, with Maul. And so then that brings them back to Tatooine where Han and Obi-Wan meet up for the, the first time, because I, I already think that Obi-Wan and Han know each other prior to, or Han at least knows something about Obi-Wan. Right. So, I think that they would meet up for the first time while the Huts and the Maul side of things battle it out. Obi-Wan gets involved, faces Maul for the next time, and then, you know, they move on into Rogue One Episode 4. So, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. I mean, it would be an interesting play on some of the characters and some of the, <clears throat> you know, some of these spinoffs they're trying to, to tie in. That would be cool. One thing that I am considering would be really cool. Perhaps even the movie that you're talking about, instead of focusing it on Kenobi, even though I think that's going to happen, I think we're going to get a Kenobi backstory, would be a Star Wars underworld. Mm. And just have it kind of focus on, you know, how the criminal organization changed. Almost like a mob movie. You know, let's let's remake The Godfather, but in the Star Wars universe, you know. Star Wars world. Yeah. Mm. You know, and that could be the whole essence of what you're talking about with the changes of power from, you know, the Crimson Dawn to the Huts, and you know, possibly even bring in the Black Sun and Prince Shisor, the the Falleen that's it's supposed to be in charge of that organization from the old canon. It'd be nice to bring him into the new canon. I think that would be a really cool play, and just kind of, I mean, you could easily turn it into like a video game or a book, but it would be really cool as a film because you would really kind of get to do a lot of effects with it. Yeah. All right, so if I was to answer my own question, um, and I think I've said this before, my favorite character of all time is the Expanded Universe character, and now he's in Star Wars Rebels, is Grand Admiral Thrawn. I'm a huge fan of him as a villain, simply because, and you know, it's the music side of me. He's an artist, uh, or he's a fan of art. So and he uses the art, studying the culture of the, of the specific race, to kind of determine what kind of risks they would take in battle and things like that. And while that doesn't probably translate wow. to real strategy with, with military strategy, it's fascin it was a fascinating idea that, you know, yeah. you'd walk the you know, one of the lower level captains would walk in and Thrawn would be sitting in his cap his, you know, Admiral's chair and he'd have holograms of art of the general or whoever was going to be in charge of the battle of the opposing side. And he would be studying the art and going, hmm, because he did this in this painting and in this era of that particular culture, you know, they did this. This is how he's going to attack. So here's going to be our defense and then counterattack. And then you'd go out and it'd actually work. You know, it's exactly right. You know, yeah. So it was just, it was a fascinating premise and it threw a lot of that intelligence and just knowledge beyond just tactical you know i went to military school so i understand you know the tactics of how armies <coughs> should fight right it yeah. incorporated a much deeper level and that made him so hard to beat in fact in the old universe and in the new canon since he's been brought in he never fails for something that he was able to i mean obviously you never fail for anything you're not able to prepare for but anytime he loses and it's not something he intentionally lost because he would actually throw the towel 
he'd fold on purpose. You know, I'm going to lose this round just so I can see how they'll react, and I can right. plan. And they come back and, the next you know, day. I'm playing the long game here. But the right. the only times he ever lost were when like unknown factors that nobody could have planned for, nobody would have even known, because they weren't a tactic of the the opposing side. They weren't a tactic of the rebels or the Republic or whatever. They were just, you know, they were an unknown factor, but usually force related. Like so, in Star Wars Rebels in season three, there's this character known as the Bindu, and when the Bindu actually starts to act upon his own will, it's not a plan of the rebellion or the rebels. It's just the Bindu acting, and that screws up Grand Admiral Thrawn's overall overall plan. Otherwise, well, he would have won. That- because they don't have culture in that that moment when they make a decision, split decision like that. All of a sudden, all of his tactics that he has ever learned or ever gone off of aren't there. Well, yeah, aren't because because they're not they're not something. I mean, the rebellion didn't choose for that to happen. It wasn't you know it wasn't a plan B for them. It was just it was a natural phenomenon. You know, it'd be the equivalent of well, go go into Jurassic Park. It's the chaos. Theory. Yeah, it's the it's chaos. That exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, nice tie there. So that's what I. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> we are, after all, doing the twelve ties of Christmas. So <laughs> you can tell why I picked that because I wear my holiday ties. You know. Oh, I know. I know. I was like, I, I do my twenty-five ties for Christmas for school. It would be only appropriate that I would do twelve Star Wars ties. You know. Um, oh yeah. So for the twelve days of Christmas. But anyway, <laughs> so that's why he's such a, a fascinating character. And he even had plans made for if he died. You know, in the old canon, he had this whole setup of he was basically training the captain that ended up taking over after he was defeated in the in the old canon. And that actually caused a problem for the Republic later on, like five or ten years later, when he started to come back and take back over part of the galaxy. Because yeah. he was adhering to the plans that Thrawn had made as a contingency plan if things didn't go the way he wanted it to. You know, I mean, it was just... It was, he was an amazing character, and is because yeah. I mean Th- the one awesome thing about Timothy Zahn is he's been able to revive this character and put him into the new canon, and he's just as fascinating in the new canon as he was in the old. And there's a lot of potential I so, think that he will still be around after Return of the Jedi. I I don't think they're done with Thrawn yet. They just announced so, the release of a third book in the new canon that I think will take place after Rebels ended. But I don't know because I haven't. I don't know when the timeline is going to place. But right. if it does, I think it's going to set up the stage for him to perhaps leave the galaxy, but then come back at some point in that forty-year gap, or even you know, as the villain in Episode Nine, you know, setting the stage. Right. So, so let me ask you a question sure. here. Then, would you rather see him in a live-action movie or in a live-action TV series? Hmm, that's a good question. I would love to see him on the big screen, just because it would... I mean, it's not that you can argue that he's not part of canon or official anymore, because he's got books and, and he's been in animation. Right, but... Well, but, not, I mean, let me rephrase it, that. Not not a cameo. It can't be a cameo. Like, I, I, I'd be for the cameo, but like I'm, I'm saying, you like, the would you rather... Right, the head, the movie's all about him. He's he's the... Would you want a Thrawn movie or a Thrawn series? I guess a Thrawn series simply because we'd get more of him I mean I would if they were to do that I'd like him to make a cameo and then do the the television series as a spinoff and have him become the villain so that it's like okay he's you know he's there 
We see where he fits in the timeline, but then have a whole new. And I mean, with the new net, uh, Disney streaming service coming out next year, Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you've got the Mandalorian television show. I see no reason why they couldn't do another one like that and have it be Thrawn. That would be awesome. I mean, they have no idea what kind of potential they would be able to produce with that kind of a thing. You'd have a lot of fans, especially us old EU fans. It would be like eating that up like chicken noodle soup on a cold day. Uh, <laughs> that's bad, but anyway. <laughs> when, the, when the snow's supposed to fall, but your grass is green. I don't know. There's no, I'm looking out the window, and there's nothing there. We had a little bit of slush and ice this morning, and Swain County Schools is closed today. Now I look oh, out your Sunday. window, and it looks beautiful. I would be perfectly happy with that in my backyard. But we got zip, and then I look at the weather report for, you know, 8 a.m. Oh, look, I've got to look ahead here. Let's see. All right, we might get snow between 10 and 8 a.m. tomorrow. And then I look at for my possibility of being out of school tomorrow, because you never know. <clears throat> Same thing. Potential. Yeah, might get a two-hour delay or a cancellation, whatever. But uh, anyway, so <clears throat> now we've talked about villains. What about your favorite hero? What is your favorite good guy, protagonist of all time? And this, going back to the Phantom Menace, and I don't know if it's just because of that's the era that I grew up with or whatnot, but Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon is definitely the, the hero of my choice. And the reason why is, I mean, he's only in the one movie. And Liam Neeson does such a just a tremendous job with that character. Mm-hmm. But Qui-Gon rejects he rejects being on the council because he doesn't agree with everything the council does. Right. But yet he understands that Anakin has the best potential of bringing balance to the force. So Qui-Gon's this powerful Jedi, but he's also one that has this foresight of being able to understand <clears throat> that there's things outside of the system that's in place to become better. So he's kind of he kind of has a non Jedi mindset with the best Jedi mindset. Right. He's kind of like where Luke, where where we, we're, what we're seeing at Luke with the last Jedi be at. I feel like Qui Gon was already there, but he had more resources than Luke did. True. I mean, he obviously had a lot more history to to defend his his viewpoints with the Jedi Council and and the Jedi archives and things like that. So he could. You know, Qui-Gon probably was not the only Jedi that followed that particular belief system. I mean, it would be... Oh, uh, I mean, if we yeah. were to, to put it into a modern vernacular, you're probably looking at, you know, a similar thing to Christianity, having, you know, Protestants, Catholics, and within the Protestants, you've got, you know, Baptists, Methodists. You know, everybody's got their slightly different right things that they focus on within their beliefs, but the core is the same. So, you know, we're probably yeah. looking at a similar faction or, or style of beliefs within the Jedi way. You've got... The majority of the council was believing this one thing, but there are obviously others, you know, that might or might not comply or, or coincide. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you you got to think about which what direction this the Star Wars trilogies are going now. I mean, the end of the Last Jedi with the kid being able to move the broom. You know, we're assuming that now we're starting to get out of this category of Jedi and into just people of Force users. So, I don't know, you could... Yeah. You could... Or, I mean, I, I took it that way. I took it as a possibility that we're starting to dabble into the Force users. But really, I interpreted the ending of The Last Jedi as kind of a, a hint that even though it was titled The Last Jedi, we're going to start seeing the rebirth of Jedi through Rey and, you know, the potential that kids like that kid are going to start to be recognized again and brought back in. 
I mean, we know that Luke tried to restart an academy and tried to re- rebuild the Jedi Order. Right. And was tasked with that, basically, by Luke, uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda, and then took it upon himself to try to do it himself. And, and I think, obviously, he would have had success had he not, you know, ticked off Ben in the way that he did. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes, and he just decided to <laughs> let that one mistake rule his entire career. But... Yes. You know, so there's I, the reason I liked that about Luke is because you know every, you can think of somebody who's done that, somebody who's made a mistake like that, and just let it completely ruin it. You know, that's it. Yeah. That's all of them. So it made Luke much more real, which I think is probably what upsets a lot of fans because they're used to seeing him on a pedestal. You know, he is completely other. He is the hero of the original trilogy. See, and I, I don't even agree with that. Like that because in my I, opinion, no. You know, I, I liked Luke, and you know, as a as a kid, you know, you idolized Luke. You know, you wanted to be him because he was the protagonist in the story. But he wasn't my favorite hero. You know, I liked no, Han, like, I liked Han Solo from the original trilogy much more because he was a much more compelling character. Because he wasn't, you didn't, he wasn't predictable. You didn't anticipate cool. that he was going to do the right thing every time. You didn't know for certain if that, <laughs> excuse me, if that's really what he was going to do. And with Luke, you kind of got the impression, all right, he's going to be the good guy the whole time. You know, even when you're at the moment where he's being tempted by the dark side in Return of the Jedi, and Darth Vader is bringing Leia into it, you know, look, I'm going to bring your sister into this. We're going to start, and we're going to make this a family discussion, and she's not even here, but I'm going to turn her to the dark side since you won't do it. And it ticks him off, and he starts behaving like he's part of the dark side. You sit there and go, no, he's not really going to turn. You know that's not that's that's not how Luke's gonna be. You know it's you know in your heart at this point in the movie that there's gonna be but, a twist there and it's not going to be a bad one. It's gonna be something good. I mean, you you think about each mm-hmm. each movie he has the doubt side of things. Mm-hmm. So he has after R two in the movie and then where he's talking and everyone's like you need to come to Alderaan with me and and looks like I can't I've got I've got chores to do and then you know his family dies then he goes so that's right. like doubt one then the second one Yoda's training him and he's like I can't do this I can't lift the X-wing right. you know this is possible and so then Yoda proves him wrong and then he goes off and saves you know Leia and Lando and Chewie and so he has doubt there, but then comes back. And so Return of the Jedi, he comes in strong in Tatooine. You know, they, they destroy Jabba's place. It's it's going great. Well, well, we get to the end, and that's when, you know, the dark side playing with it. Well, we've already seen it from the first two movies with that, hey, he has the doubt, but then he's going to come right back and do what's right, whether it's shooting down TIE fighters in the Millennium Falcon or defeating uh, Darth Vader or coming back and defeating Darth Sidious, <clears throat> which technically he didn't. But point being is that you're right. He was predictable that he would have the downfalls, he'd have the doubt, but then be able to come back. Right. And you even see it in Last Jedi. I mean, he had the doubt that he was doing a good job with Ben Solo, you know, and then he goes out there and he's like, well, the only solution I have is to kill him, which is a terrible solution, by the way. You know, <laughs> at least confront him when yep. he's awake, you know. <laughs> Like, yeah. hey, man, I know you're dabbling with the dark side. Maybe you should try not doing that. And then when he gets ticked yeah. off and tries to fight him, at least then, you know, it's a fair fight. Yeah. <laughs> and when Luke wins, then, you know, we're good. Yeah. But no, he has to try to murder him in his sleep, which is not creepy at all. Well, uh, see, and this, this is <clears throat> this is a theory that somebody had. Well, I think 
you know, bringing in the prequels, people didn't like bringing in the prequels at first, and I still think some people don't, is because they thought now all of a sudden the story stopped being about Luke and it started being, being about Anakin. In my opinion, you look at the original trilogy, if you look at the original trilogy and watch them as Darth Vader's story, it's actually, it goes better with the storyline of who's who are we following here? Because I mean, Luke's not the—he's the hero, but you're right. You know, he's not the one that you idolize, right? You know, and, and people have this connection with Darth Vader because of of the turn right. at the end. You know, it, I mean, so I I, I, I I like George's right perspective of it that it was it's, the it's, overall it is Anakin's story is Anakin's because he's yes. the chosen one. You know, it goes back to the yeah. whole belief system that he's and there's some people out there that believe that Luke is the chosen one because he was the child of Anakin. And you know, because he had the power to 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 turn to turn Vader back to good, and I'm like, well, the fact that he was able to turn Vader back to good makes Vader the the chosen one because he's the one that actually brings the balance that everybody was kind of expecting from the beginning, you know. But then here here's the question though: maybe maybe in Episode Six there was balance all of a sudden, and but with Luke trying to create. Jedi temples. Luke actually took it off balance once again. That's <laughs> I mean, that's kind of actually a very compelling so theory because balance means you have an equal amount of dark and an equal amount of light. And light. And, Correct. You know what we were what we've been dealing with in the era of the Empire is an a, an oversurgence or too much dark side, not enough light side. And then as Luke got stronger, the balance started to become, as we say, balanced. Right. And then with the death of Darcidious, we were balanced because you had Vader, who was the chosen one, and Luke, who was the son of the chosen one, and Vader had dabbled enough in the dark side where you could argue that he was still, you know, he would have still been tempted by the dark side post if he had survived. Let's put it that way. But yeah. he didn't. So he dies. Well, at that point, you have only a light side user. Theoretically. We're not taking into account the size of the galaxy. That's what this new trilogy is doing. It's saying, hey, don't forget, the galaxy's a really big place. What's to yeah. say that there are not other cultures using the Force, light side and dark side, that has nothing to do with the Jedi and the Sith? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a big galaxy. It's a big universe. <laughs> There's potential yeah. there. So so your favorite hero, as we've gone way off on tangents here, which is good, right. is Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes. Your hero <laughs> My is... hero uh, is Yoda. Okay. I love Yoda. All right. I love Yoda. He creeped me. The first time I ever saw Yoda was when Star Wars was showing on, I guess it was Spike TV or whatever, uh, for the Christmas marathon. Used to be maybe on TNT <laughs> or whatever. Somebody used to show it on Christmas and the day after, and they just do the original trilogy over and over and over again for yeah. 24 hours. And I remember walking into my grandmother's bedroom where my parents slept when we stayed at her house, and they were my dad was watching Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back on TV. And it was when Yoda was training Luke. And it was, I mean, it was right close to the scene when Luke's like, I can do this. I'm not afraid. And Yoda goes, you will be. You will be. And I was like, gosh, that guy is creepy. I don't know if I want to watch him. <laughs> but it was so compelling. It was so interesting because it was a Muppet, you know. So I wanted to keep yeah. watching. And the more I watched, the more I was like, okay. I really like Yoda. I really like the fact that he talks backwards. I really like this character. So, and then of course when the the prequels came out and you see Yoda in Phantom Menace and you see Yoda in Attack of the Clones fighting Dooku 
And you kind of get this whole, wow, he really is on... And you see the warrior that Luke boasts about in Episode 5, right. but you see him as an old man, and you actually see it. It's like, okay, I really... So Yoda is arguably my favorite character, and his re reappearance in Episode 8 did nothing but make it even better. You know, read them, have you? Mm, page turners, they are not. <laughs> no, it's like, it's great. He has perfect humor. Well, so the, the, the fact he's not changed, you know, and it's just... I think it's great seeing his his character definitely change if you watch the original first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, at first you're like, this is a goofy-looking animal thing that's just, you know... Then you find out it's Yoda, and his whole persona changes from goofy to, you know, this serious, you know, okay, yeah. listen, this is, this is how things are going to have to be. And so then going back and watching the prequels and actually seeing him be that on the Jedi Council, you're like, <laughs> dang, yeah. okay. It yeah. wasn't appraising. So, and then I'm, I am glad that they went back to Phantom Menace and put his CG redid Yoda. Yeah, because that, that, that did not that work. Phantom Menace, the Phantom no, Menace puppet not. was just a bad idea. I would have been fine if they had kept the puppet for Phantom Menace because I personally prefer the puppet Yoda. The only part I don't think the puppet Yoda would work with is the fight scene in Attack of the Clones. Fight scenes. You know, that's yes. it. Aside from that, puppet Yoda is perfect. You know, love puppet Yoda. Yeah. But they did a different puppet for Phantom Menace. And it wasn't yeah. a... And I think they even kind of regret that, which is a reason I think they went back and did it <laughs> and changed him back. But I, for, the, for years, Caleb, I've had that Blu-ray six-pack for years, and it wasn't until, yeah. I'd say, within the last year or two that I noticed that they had changed him in the Blu-ray back to the to the CG, <laughs> because yeah, uh, because there's this, there's a distinct moment at the end of Phantom Menace where his the hair on the puppet is wisping in the wind, yeah, and it didn't happen because of the CG character, didn't have it happen. But he, he's standing next to that, the, um, the guy with the, like, one eye, the scratched-out yeah. eye, and he's, like, just standing there really like Kermit the Frog like can we yeah. just say that yeah like it was just like a Kermit the Frog's grandfather was right there so I honestly think yeah. that's what they were designing they were like if Kermit had a grandfather <laughs> with like really what big ears you? you know because you want to have the ears with the hair sticking out because that's what grandpas do you know yeah. what would you do <laughs> that's it and then of oh, course you get man. this yeah <laughs> For those of you that can't see, because this is a podcast, I'm wearing a Star Wars Christmas shirt <laughs> with Yoda on it. Oh, but that, but like, uh, yeah. Well, the the fight scene in Attack of the Clones and the one between him and Sidious. I'm glad we get that. Yeah, in, um, in Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith was. I mean, it's great because we get to see the mobility of Yoda. Mm -hmm. We get to see the Force power of Yoda, but then. You're still saying in your head, wait, hang on, this is only about 40 years prior to the original trilogy. And he's he's around 850 right now? You know, yeah. he's, he's almost 100 years old. He's able to do this? Like, what, what was his heyday like? Like, who when he was being trained, what was what was he what like? Was that like? Yeah, like, that would be a compelling it really uh, would be. movie. To kind of, like the Yoda Chronicles or something, and actually do a... a some sort of chronological study of his life in that era. Yes. That would be really cool. I mean, I mean, think that he was around for almost a millennium, which means he probably was around during the first, one of the first resurgences of the Sith. So this would not have been the first Sith that he had faced, necessarily. He would have been much younger. It's true. But, you know, when, when we listen to The Phantom Menace, if you think about it, 
they've not been around for a, almost a millennium. And you think about it, well, Yoda's 800 years old, you know. In relative time sequences speaking here, 200 years he, is not much, you know, no, for a not, guy not living for 900. So, so either he was trained by somebody that fought ended in the, the Sith, Sith Wars, yeah. Or he did. Um, around a millennia was they're rounding up from 700 and he was actually like 50 years old when he was fighting in the Sith Lord yeah. Wars. You know, and then of course you've got the compelling element of he's one of the only ones of a species that we ever see. So was his species eradicated by the Sith? You know, was that, yeah. or was his planet destroyed in some sort of massacre and he was one of the sole survivors? You know, so there's, he's, there's a lot you could do with that character. And, I mean, he's like I said, he's he my really favorite can. just because he's so, you know, he has two sides. He's got this very wizened element that is very apparent in the original trilogy and now in the new trilogy. But you also see that that wisdom comes from real experience, some of which we get the opportunity to see on screen in the prequels. Yeah, okay, here's <laughs> okay, if if they did do something like this, here's something that they would have to put in just because of historical context and between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. They have to have an ET life form Yoda interacting with their species because when ET sees Yoda on the street at Halloween, that's true. He does. He recognizes them, and we, we do see you do ET's, see ET's kind, kind in, the, in the Senate. Yeah, they're do. in the Senate, so so we know they're a part of the same <laughs> galaxy. So, and, well, they don't have I mean, to be a part of the same galaxy because this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But okay. we do know that ET species has to have a been around long enough past the era of Star Wars to still be in existence during our day, and B have the ability for hyperspace travel outside of the galaxy. Right. So. There, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> there would have to be some sort of a an additional tie there just to make it a cameo. Or I something. mean, e even if it's like like a like a Marvel in credit scene where you know you get the whole movie, then he like crash lands on ET's e e home planet, and then and then, <laughs> it's it, just and like then it sequences maybe. Like, oh. Yeah, they see him, and then you see some sort. You know, it fast forwards, and they have this like monument to Yoda. Some sort of a, some sort of he because it's a shrine. He's he's a god in their culture, and that's why oh, E.T. Man. is so attractive. Oh, it's really him! I found him. I found him. He's there. He's E.T. from home. E.T. from home. Or he gets off the the planet. He turns his lightsaber on, and all of the E.T. people put their fingers on. Oh, that would be cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Drew Barrymore oh, makes yeah. a random cameo appearance just as an adult. You know. <laughs> On a bike. On a bike, of course. Well. Flying, of course. <laughs> That's used. Well, I mean, think about it. E.T. uses the Force. Oh, man. So is E.T. Oh, e. is Force-sensitive. That's so true. Because so... he races the bike. <laughs> <laughs> so... Wait, going back to like the you know if this is a long a galaxy far far away a long time ago you know so what you if that's the case and it's talking about like the galaxy is bigger like you said it's bigger and there's the force users resurgence right then then it's <laughs> et's one of them yeah there you go <laughs> 
Why you, I, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. I mean, E.T. is a force user. He becomes user a force now. user. If, if we look at it in terms of trying to make this canon, I have, I mean, this is all just shooting for fun. Oh, but, yeah. But that would be, it would be a really way to just be like, hey, Steven, let's, let's just, let's just do this just for kicks. Yeah. We're already going to make an Indiana Jones 5. Let's go ahead and just make a Yoda E.T. crossover. Why not? I mean, we're only going to be on this earth for what? You know, 20 more years, so we'll, let's, we'll just leave it, leave it to the living, you know? <laughs> And they'd have to bring John Williams back for that. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think John's re- retiring anytime yeah. soon, though he is in his eighties. So, but it would be really cool to find. I mean, they do. If you there's a an Easter egg in the soundtrack of ET. Is really uh, it, because Yoda's theme does make an appearance when Yoda is the dress up Yoda is on screen. <laughs> so it would be really cool if they could find a way to combine Yoda's theme and ET's theme. You know, that would be a, a fascinating study, you know. Da, 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 would be E.T., and then you've got, let's see, hang on, I've got to think about Yoda's theme for a second. Because I'm trying to think of it, and it's gone. But You're the you're the music teacher. I am, I am. Now, I'm going to fail. Oh, well. This must have been too long trying to think about it. We're going to run out of time. Because <laughs> we're already down to two <laughs> yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So last comment. Let's see. We've talked about our favorites of all time. If you, since both of your favorites were in the prequel era, if you, yes. if the prequel era, prequel era were taken out of out of the equation for a minute, what would be your top hero and villain, or of either the original trilogy, it, or, or the, the new, new, or expanded universe? I mean, if you wanted to do like Clone Wars or uh, or Rebels or or something from the books or something like that too, that's fine. I um. See, villain wise, I mean, Darth Vader is a good villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just if we're talking about just looking at that, I do like. Well, no, that's prequels as well. <laughs> because, there just wasn't enough of Jango Fett to that's actually true. me warrant any anything in the original. I wish there was more. And Jabba, Jabba's not really a. I mean, he's a gangster, and I, that's another CGI one. I wish they didn't switch. I think the puppet was fine. Right. But now I'm gonna have to say Darth Vader, and then probably for the hero, I really I I, I know everybody likes the Han Solo, and Han Solo is cool, but I really like the interaction between Han and Lando. I I like Lando. I can um, see Lando just, becoming a more compelling hero as we as we get into it, especially with his new resurgence in Episode Eight or Nine here soon. Yeah. Um, well, he he's a. I mean, you think about it. I mean, right now he's like he turns them in, and Empire Strikes Back. But then he's right in the thick of it in Jabba's palace right. in uh, Return of Jedi, and then he's he blows up the Death Star at the end of the yeah. the second one. So or the third one. So it's like, I mean, he he's a he's a central character. He's a, he's a very important part. And I think without Lando, you really have mm, you you don't yeah, win. That's true. So. Well, I mean, he was the gambler. Yeah, uh, if I had to answer my own question, let's see. I picked Yoda for my my hero, and that's of course across all three eras. So that opens up the door for me a little bit. Um, who's my villain? Uh, oh, Thrawn. Thrawn. It, EU there. So okay, so I'll restrict myself to the movies for a villain. And hmm. uh, well, I mean, it it kind of pits against the same thing, but I'm gonna have to probably go with Darth Maul. We talked about him a lot earlier, and he was an awesome movie villain. And I was really glad to kind of see him come back. I love Vader. He's obviously way up there. He certainly, you know, has a presence of his own. And I value, you know, the fact that I've gotten 
the opportunity to see him on screen as many times as I have. He is definitely a favorite, but just because of the showcase of, of Ray Park and how they did with him in, the, in episode one, yeah. and the fact that he had so little screen time, but was still such a compelling villain, that speaks volumes to me. Yeah. And if I had to pick a hero, I'm, I'm a huge fan of prequel Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I yes. love Ewan McGregor's okay. character very much. And I think seeing him progress from Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith is just great. And even into the Clone Wars cartoon. I mean, he's just a, a fascinating character. Yeah. And oh, especially yeah. when you get into Clone Wars and you start seeing the complexities that he faced with, like, Satine and things like that. There's there's a lot of really good meat in that character that they did with his with his storyline. Well, and that, that so that that's another thing that I wanted to ask you was if... If he didn't defeat Maul, because do you think Obi-Wan is really ready to train Anakin? And if he wasn't, and he was a little bit more trained and then brought Anakin on, do you think Anakin would have been as weak as he was to succumb to emotion? I think we see in Episode 1 that Obi-Wan Kenobi is dealing with some of the same problems that Anakin faces. Obi-Wan yeah. does not have full control of his emotions in the prequels, and especially in Episode 1. Because, you know, you see him back-talking Qui-Gon Jinn, you know, if you would just do what the council says, you would be on the council on Qui-Gon's line. I'm going to do as I must, my young Padawan. And he's like, sorry, shouldn't have done that. My bad. You know, he has it, and he yeah. has these outbursts. And I mean, let's face it, he was obviously mad, at least a little bit, when he defeated Maul. That there was obviously anger, remorse, or some form of, some sort of emotional response that's not passiveness of mm -hmm. a Jedi. You know, just succumbing to the powers of the Force. Yeah. At least not initially. Now, I will argue that the way he defeated him was he kind of let it all go. And Well, it's because he was hanging there right. by a thread. But, I mean, he was able to control the, the low ground even when he couldn't, you know. He was all tied yeah. up. So at that point, you know, he had... <laughs> but you get the idea. You know, he was... So I do think that the fact that we see that being the downfall of Anakin, the emotions, the, the lack of control yeah. of his passions, I think that is definitely a sins of the father sins of the son or in this case master and apprentice uh, it is his blind side of of being a Jedi that carries on and unfortunately he finds ways to control it but Anakin does not yeah. he he loses his control in that well I, I just think that they're too close to be brother brother instead of master right. apprentice as well Cause, I mean I, you, you think back of at Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones I guess it's Revenge of the Sith when they're they're running. He's like Obi Wan says, you know, because your your skills aren't as attuned as mine, my young Padawan. It's like, okay, kind of arrogant right yeah. now. But I, mean, I like it because he plays it well, and that's kind of that's just that's who it, who it's had to be. And I I don't I don't want it to change by any means. But but it's always it's always been there is that Obi Wan does think that he's better, even though he knows that Anakin's a better skilled right. than Obi-Wan ever And I think that one of the so. things that we have to take into account as we finish up here is that when we look at Obi-Wan Kenobi in the in the original trilogy, he says, I want, you know, Luke, I want you to go learn from the Jedi Master that taught me. And, you know, there used to be a meme floating around on the internet that had a ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn sent in going, really? I'm not, I'm not so sure that's true. You know, and it's like... <laughs> Yeah, that's a little bit of a continuity error, but I honestly think that if you were trying to make sense of that, you know, comment in in terms of canon, I have an answer for it. I think it was 
Yoda taught me how to be a Jedi Master. He taught me how to teach. Because think about how many times Obi-Wan Kenobi is like, Yoda, I'm struggling here. Anakin's driving me up the wall, you know. He's, you know, throwing poop in the bathroom because he's having a hissy fit. You know, we've what are we going to do with this kid? You know, and Yoda's like, yeah. Okay, there's control emotions. It'll be fine. You know, and you can almost see that in some of the conversations that he has I'd, because he seems to always be seeking the advice of Yoda and Mace Windu. You know, what do I do yeah. with this Padawan? And, and Yoda's sitting there going, well, you, you picked him, so... That's your fault. You shouldn't have done it, but oh well. Well, you can look at it like that, and that that's definitely a higher higher possibility. But also, you I mean you get it? You get the look at when you're talking about Kamino with the Attack of the Clones. You know, Yoda taught the young ones. That's true. Yeah, and I and I thought so, that too. So and so before Qui Gon even gets a hold of him, Yoda would have taught yeah. him. And Luke is Luke is not skilled in the basics as a Jedi. Luke is not skilled in the basics. Luke's in the basics, and so that's the so foundation. Luke's going to teach him exactly. the basics. Yoda, the person that taught Obi Wan exactly. the basics. So, exactly. Yeah. So I I don't think it's a continuity error because I I think the Jedi ran as a as a family as a yeah. village. It can't you know teach somebody just one person because then you only get the views of one exactly. person. You know. Yeah. So. All right. But, well, thank you. That that was awesome. That was a lot of fun. So, normally we sign off, of course, with a flavor of blue milk. So, what flavor of blue milk should we sign off with on this second day of the 12 ties of Christmas? A sausage and blue cheese ball blue milk. A sausage and blue cheese ball. (laughs) So, a sausage ball flavor. (laughs) I get it. That's pretty good. With blue cheese. Mm, Yes. Oh, man. Of course, Afton just made sausage balls the other day. So, you know, I've had my fill lately, but that's good. (laughs) All right. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to my good friend Caleb and I talk about our favorite heroes and villains of the Star Wars universe. We certainly hope that you uh, were able to think of yours and reflect on those. And, of course, uh, we hope you are enjoying your second day of the Star Wars 12 Ties of Christmas. We hope you enjoy your wonderfully high protein glass of uh, sausage ball with blue cheese, blue milk. May the Force be with you. Always. Uh. Something that we didn't talk about that I wish we did, and this is probably my third favorite, is uh, General Grievous. We didn't talk about General Grievous at all. And just his, his impact with just... Well, or like saber, yeah. You know, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. So I'm. It's just we didn't have time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part we didn't of talk it. about our third. You didn't ask me what my third favorite villain was. So. It would be very poor of me to not have something to sip on just to make sure that it goes down easy. Yep. Uh, I had nice alpine cider. It's great. Oh. We're ready to go. That was an hour and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're supposed to be halfway in the first well, we were supposed to be pretty much done with this, yeah. <laughs> I was ready, man. I was like, oh, technology just needs to go. We're ready to roll. And I knew yeah. the minute I thought that, I was like, dang it. Dang it. I jinxed myself I right did. there. It's not going to be. And here I am. Yeah. Here we are.
bagels and they had no eggnog. I was extremely disappointed. That is devastating. It, it was it was awful. And I asked the people, I said, is there any eggnog in the store? And they're like, can you be over there next to the milk? And I was like, yeah, I've checked three different times, thanks. <laughs> I checked to make sure you didn't restock while I was wandering around the rest of the store. All right. My kids barged in and my youngest is farting. Nice. Well, mine's smoking a hookah right now, so... <laughs> Do we have some sort of a, <laughs> uh, albuterol? Yeah, yeah, it's just like the breathing treatment stuff with the smoke. Forget all the creatures in there. And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars. Those near in Star Wars. My seventh winner up here. Star Wars. <laughs> 